This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Paul on the island of Malta in Acts 28. Yes, we are. Um, and apparently, I just learned this off camera, Clayton has been mm-hmm. to the island of Malta. Yes. Tell me about it. It's beautiful. What's it like? Um, it didn't look anything like I expected. Okay. Um, sand, dirt, white, um, brown, brown. Okay. Think like, think like what you would think about, um, from seeing pictures of like Turkey and structure and, uh, like Middle Eastern countries. But, um, in the Mediterranean, it's just dark. It doesn't feel Greek. It doesn't feel Mediterranean. It feels Middle Eastern. Um, even though it's not. But, like, even in just, like, architecture and structure. Oh, okay. And, like, how the things are built. Interesting. Okay. Um, but... Basically, because it's so small, basically from wherever, wherever you are on the island, you can see water. Because you can see the other side of the island? Pretty darn, pretty darn close. You're pretty darn close. Okay. Um, and it's this beautiful, like, crystal blue water that Ooh. you could, like... Spearfishing? Yeah, like you could see straight down to the bottom. It's beautiful. Heavy Catholic influence. Okay. Um, Heavy Catholic influence. Also, strangely, even though it's a Catholic influence, there is um, Crusader crosses everywhere. Oh. So, like... uh, Templar stuff. Oh, okay. Um, very, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't do much research into that. I don't think I want to do much research into that. But heavy Catholic influence and seems to be very Templar influenced also. Interesting. So like well, masonry of, and stuff. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, none of it's that would have been there when Paul was there. No, absolutely but, not. Uh, it's so interesting that you've been there. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea. I just learned that. Um, <clears throat> interesting. Well, Paul had no intention of going there. <laughs> um, and Paul has a... I guess Paul would say it's a standard day at the office kind of experience for him. But yeah. it's a strange... It's a strange experience that Paul has on the island of Malta. So, you know, he ends up here because they have this bad shipwreck. Mm -hmm. So it's him. There are 276 of them, and they all, you know, the story tells us they all make it alive. There are 276 of them show up on the island of Malta. Clayton, how many people do you think at the time you were there inhabited the island of Malta? 
Oh my God, thousands. Tens of thousands, probably. Okay. I guarantee you it was less than that in the ancient world. Oh, for sure. Like massive port cities had like 200,000. Like Corinth is a major city has 200,000 people in it. Um, Philippi, major city, 14,000 people. Um, I guarantee you the island of Malta didn't have that much. If you can see water every which way you look. Just like that's a little bit over exaggerated, but it's not far off. Okay. I mean. Definitely in the ancient world, it was probably more true. Um, because there's not building coverage. Yeah, less buildings for sure. Well, interesting. Well, Paul shows up after this, 276 of them. Acts 28.1. After we had reached safety, we then learned that the island was called Malta. Right? Because you've been in this storm. It's been pushing you around, blowing you. You got no idea where you're at. Mm-hmm. And you got like, language barriers you've got to try to call it cross here yeah so they learned that it's the island called malta the natives showed us unusual kindness i want to i want to stop and talk about this for a minute this is an eastern concept this mm-hmm. concept of hospitality We've largely lost it and ruined it in Western culture because we're not hospitable. We're only concerned about our own comfort. Yeah. Um, you know, I can think of a multiple times when I was growing up, dad brought home just random strangers for dinner. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were strangers to us, but they were like work friends or... No, I remember at least twice he picked up random people off the side of the road that broke down cars while they were waiting on wreckers and things. You know, that that's fair. That did happen. Um, that's not a Western thing. No. That's a Christian thing. That's an Eastern thing. That's a Bible thing for our dad. Mm-hmm. Um, our Western world doesn't operate that way. The Eastern world always operated according to hospitality, right? It's a huge thing. Um, Ezekiel interprets the story of Sodom and Gomorrah that they were treated that way because they didn't show hospitality to their guests. Yeah. Um, so it should stand out to you that in a world where hospitality is expected, that Luke points out that it's unusual kindness. Yeah, fair Unusual enough. amounts of hospitality. Yeah. These are a very caring and communal people. Mm. place where Christians should feel safe because that's their identity, right? To be that type of person. So they show unusual kindness. Since it had begun to rain and was cold, they kindled a fire and welcomed all of us around it. Okay, remember, there's 276 people here. It's a big fire. You've been to the island of Malta. I don't want you to think about fire. 276 people are going to get around, or multiple small fires. 276 people are going to get around, uh, plus all the you know other people. Mm-hmm. Paul had gathered, verse 3, Paul had gathered a bundle of brushwood and was putting it on the fire when a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. Okay? Clayton, let's talk about snakes here for a hot minute. You want to talk about snakes? Do, do we have to? We have to. Ugh. We have to talk about snakes. You like snakes? No. Like, not even a little bit? They're evil. 
You don't think they're beautiful at all? They're yuck. Like gross. Yeah. Yucko. Yuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Facts. Agreed. <laughs> a good snake is a dead snake. I'm sorry. A good snake is a dead snake. The only snake I like is a dead snake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and even then, you know, I really wish I didn't have to kill it. Uh, mm-hmm. I just kind of wish it didn't exist. Yeah. What about a viper? What do you know about a viper? The worst word. Like, I <laughs> no, like, uh, I mean... And Jesus yet, calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers. So, like, well, and okay, you, you so have to a, assume, like, well, that's a great bad. too, because you ever, you, what's a brood? Like, it's a, a, a bunch of them. A bunch, yeah. And do you know? Do you know how snakes exist? Like, well, obviously, how does anything exist? Yeah, okay, don't no, ask me I'm that sorry. question. Yeah, let me <laughs> let me rephrase. Not all snakes exist this way, but this is what I suspect. Because you have land vipers and you have water vipers. Sure. Right? Jesus is specifically telling them they're a brood of vipers in the context of a baptismal setting on the River Jordan. Mm -hmm. It makes most sense that he's talking about water vipers there. Yeah, Yeah. And he calls them a brood. My only point of reference for this is water moccasins. They live in broods. Do you know what a brood of water moccasins is? It's all of them tangled together and slithering around one another in a water ball that moves around in the water. Mm. And it stinks. Mm. It's gross. Mm -hmm. Um, And vipers are poisonous. Yes. Deeply, deeply, fatally poisonous. And Paul just got bit by one on his hand. Actually, it says... Fastened itself. Fastened itself on his hand. So, think... Like... Hmm. Think fangs like nails latched into his hand yeah. with like... Uh, I don't know. I'm making a number up here. Not going to lie. Like 50, 60 PSI going into his hand. Right? Yeah. Nails latching in. Yeah. Um. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like jaws. Mm. Clamped on there. Yeah. Not coming off. Verse 4. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, this man must be a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him <laughs> to live. Okay, so I got to ask a question here. Uh-huh. <clears throat> you think Paul would have died if they hadn't said that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but like, I feel like it's a question you have to ask. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's a great question. <laughs> it's a fantastic question. Uh, and it's so funny because you know what this tells me that Paul was running around spouting off his same nonsense (laughs) that he always be spouting off because they're like, Oh, this dude was saved from the sea. Nah, justice will not allow this guy to live. Now he must've been a murderer. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. They have a show of kindness a hospitality that's unmatched, but they have a retributive view of justice. Mm -hmm. 
I want to remind us that most Christians today have a retributive view of justice and no kindness. I mean, unfortunately, the Karen in the world identifies as a Christian. The Karens and Sheilas of the world identify as Christians. Um, most Christians, and specifically the way Christians are presented in the world today, we don't show a lot of kindness, and we have retributive views of justice. The rest of this story is Paul proving that those two things can't work. That kindness and hospitality must come with restorative justice. They put it in the context of justice, and Paul just lets it live in that arena. Verse 5. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Got any thoughts? So, okay. I have many thoughts. Um, thought number one. Critical Clayton. Wasn't poisonous, poisonous snake. It wasn't a viper? You're wasn't. just like, nah, they just had that wrong. Not they had it wrong. Maybe... Maybe narrative storytelling, like trying to belabor a point that like Paul got his stuff together, you know, like he's tough. He got it. Um, literal Clayton wants to read that. And oh, this is a miracle. God ain't letting this dude die. Cause That's like, how I read it. He He's on some important work. He's a God's typology. Not, yeah. Yeah. He's God's a type. not letting this guy die. Yeah. He can't die yet. Uh, the story's not over. Mm hmm. That's how I want to read it. And like, I, I just, I just need to be a, like very well, clear. Let me give you, let me give you some more. Maybe I'll help you get there. Verse six. They were expecting him to swell up or drop dead. That's what you're expecting. Right, mm -hmm. he just got bit by a viper. Mm -hmm. Like you're expecting, yeah, his arm gonna swell up, possibly blow up, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and he's, he's gonna, gonna die. die. Yeah. He's gonna die. Yeah, like that's exactly it. Um, they were expecting him to swell up or drop dead, but after they had waited a long time and saw that nothing unusual had happened to him. They changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. Clayton, the ancient world's a divinized world. Correct. Is it do you think it's strange for them to see people healed? Nah, probably not. I mean I don't think it's that strange. I don't think so. Ancient like supernatural healing stories are a dime a dozen. Um I don't think it's probably that strange. People got some weird fascination with victory over snakes. Yeah. Like, it's a different kind of... Go back to Exodus. Well, and go... Yeah, go back to Exodus. Go back to Genesis. Uh -huh. Revelation. Oh. Um, Genesis 3. There will be enmity between you and the man. Yeah. Uh, or in her offspring. Right? Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day, though. 
it is very important. Now, this is a larger thing, but it's very important that the Pharaoh's magicians could recreate the snakes that came from Moses's rod. Well, they can cre- they can recreate four or five of the. I can't. Yeah, I think they, it's they four. Could, it was most of the. It was most of the plagues. Well, it's not mo. No. I don't think it's most. I think it's a, a smaller a smaller. I think it's like four or five. Mm. They can't do most, and I don't even think they can do half. I think they can do four. Okay, but they can they can recreate that one. Yeah, yeah, they can definitely recreate the snakes. Well, and then Mark 16 has all that stuff about snake handling and worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't know. This is how I see how literal Clayton reads magic in the uh, Old Testament. But, like, that stuff comes from demons. Um, and God knew somehow that they would be able to do this, too. And so it's like slowly working up like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Now I'm better. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the snakes were the last one no, that Lord. they could recreate. Oh, well, let's just look. Yeah, let's look at that. Snakes are a, like a point of evil crap happening in the Old Testament. And, like, that is spilled over into the New Testament. The first plague is water turned to blood. Mm -hmm. Second plague is frogs, gnats, flies, thunder and hail, locusts, darkness. They don't do snakes. But you you remember when um, Moses throws his staff down, turns into a snake? That's not in, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's not in the plagues, though. Oh. That's not in the plagues. That's at a different point. That's later in the story. Yeah, that is a story. That's in, that may not even be in Exodus now that I'm thinking about it. I'll have to look that one up. That's not in, that's not okay, in. Okay, maybe I got my things mixed up. Um. But. I I definitely remember like a connection to um, Moses and a snake and in a bad way. That story, you are right. I'm that, not, that that's a thing. That's a story that exists. Well, the, yeah, that story definitely exists. Let me see. Moses staff snake. Let's just Google this. Got it. Exodus 7. Okay, so it is. You're right. Oh, no. It It is the scene that initiates the plagues. It's oh. the scene. That's the thing that God says to do when you go before Pharaoh is throw your staff down and let it turn into a snake. And then they can match him. That's exactly what That's it is. The start. Because yeah, because then in verse 12 or verse 11, then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and they also the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. Okay, so Each one threw first, down his staff the and last. they became snakes. Well, it's not even a plague. Right, it's right. literally the first no, no, thing that yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So like in Hebrew culture, the epitome 
of evil is starting this thing. Yeah. Um, snakes are evil creatures. Well, Genesis 3, right? It's the tempter. It's the one that gets cursed. Mm-hmm. It has enmity, enmity between them and humanity. Revelation ends the story with humanity crushing a snake. Most people don't like snakes. Like, there's just natural enmity there. Yeah. And they associated it with divinity because when he conquered the snake, they thought he was a god. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's the epitome of evil. It's There's a divine element that's at play here, and I think it's framed by kindness. Mm-hmm. Because what does Paul do when they think he's a god? Paul responds, verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man on the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably. For three days. Once again, you've got this language, this concept of kindness and hospitality running through all of this. It so happened that the father of Publius Publius, lay sick in bed with fever and dysentery. Paul visited him and cursed him or cured him by praying and putting his hands on him. After this happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They bestowed many honors on us, and when we were about to set sail, they put on board all the provisions we needed. Perhaps kindness doesn't always look the same. Perhaps hospitality doesn't always look the same. But for Paul, when he needed to meet unusual kindness... As the text says, Paul chose to offer healing. Like of all the things he could have offered there, right? Healing. Healing. And you know what? It sounds like that's what they wanted. It sounds like that's what they needed. Um, I don't know what my story is going to be on this yet. I haven't decided. Um. Yeah, I haven't decided, but I'm fascinated by the way in which Paul, when it's framed in a conversation of justice, or when the key thing is about justice for them, because that's, that's what the story is shaping you, is how are they viewing Paul's God? They put it in the context of justice. It's framed through hospitality and ends with healing. That should be real revealing. That should be real revealing that if we're thinking about justice and God's justice in restorative ways, then the foundational premises of that are unusual kindness. Because love and grace come with unusual kindness. And somehow, we hope that in this modern world, that can lead to healing.